morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Adam, and today I am talking to myself, but I'm also, on top of talking to myself, talking to one of my favorite people on this whole entire earth. His name is Azul, and you all know him from the Sweet As episode, and from Confuddled, and from Don't Forget Your Towel, and from Cares A Lot. This guy is everywhere. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Mr. Azul. It is very good to be back, and do I, I really love your intro, by the way. It always gets me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, last time you and I talked, Azul, uh, we didn't really know all that much about each other. We just kind of started talking, and then I got you on the show. I know it was it was random and we twittery and it was just all over the place. It was really weird, and I knew very little. I didn't even I didn't know what you looked like. I didn't know anything about you. I didn't know like, you know, I just knew the loose basics. I didn't know what your convictions were, what your job was like, or what your life was like, or yeah. how close we would be so quickly. And here we are. Oh my god, it's absolutely just bonkers. It's been a roller coaster ride, hasn't it? <laughs> It has. I can't believe that like things have changed so much. Uh, you know, in a couple in, of months. I mean, to, to, yeah. To when did I you. when did I interview you? It was what? Uh, some sometime. November uh, <laughs> maybe. I don't know actually. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, it must have been October, early November. But anyway, um, so we've got to know each other quite a bit over the last few months, and uh. You know, I got to know a little bit more about what your other show, Confuddled, was about. Because we talked about Don't Forget Your Towel and loosely about Confuddled. And then we just mostly kind of talked about you and got to know you a bit. That episode was me getting to know you in a way. Um, so we started talking about Confuddled. And I thought uh, I proposed to you, for the listeners, that you you could kind of demo what an episode of Confuddled would be like. Which, um, before we get into it, you can kind of explain a little bit more about what Confuddled is, and then go into the topic that you're going to present to me. How does that sound? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> totally, totally. All right. Practice this uh, before it's the way. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. I, I, no practice makes perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Azul, go ahead and tell the listeners more about what Confuddled is and kind of what we're doing to model that here on the episode. And then feel free to just walk right into your topic for what we're going to do today. Yeah, so Confuddled is essentially a philosophy podcast, um, but it has a bit of a spin to it in that, um, for one, none of us are philosophy majors. We've, we've studied philosophy and that sort of thing, but we didn't major in it. And we take a more down-to-earth, more common perspective on it, trying to put a fun spin to things. But the place that actually distinguishes our podcast from a lot of other philosophy podcasts is that we don't eat, each of us doesn't know what the other is going to talk every week talk about so i may have a topic that i'm going to talk to alex my co-host about and he would have no idea what it's what it's about or any any hints to it and vice versa so in order to simulate that in your wonderful podcast adam we are you've put me in a wonderful position where i have i came up with a topic and now i'm going to demo it with you and you don't have no idea what i'm going to talk about that is true and you did that all within like 12 hours Oh, God, yes. Um, I, I spent quite a few hours last night um, touching up on my knowledge on this particular topic. It's, it's something that I uh, pull up whenever in doubt. It's a nice topic. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, not rehearsed at all. Wonderful times. <laughs> no, this is good. This is how it should be. You're, you and I are both masters of improv. We'll be fine. Oh, such flattery. Well, one of us is. <laughs> Thank you. All right, fine. You are and I'm not. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I knew the moment I said that I had already walked into your 
Um, <laughs> no, yeah, anyways. Um, so I'll, I'll jump right into it. Yes, I am let's... from a, sorry. I was going to say, let's do it. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, from a young age, I don't know about you, but I've always been fascinated in miscommunications. It's been something that has plagued my life quite a bit um, with my interaction with a, with a lot of people as well, friends and non-friends. Um, it's always been amusing and interesting about how you can say something um, that you are confident means one thing and somebody else takes it in a completely different way. I imagine you've come across these situations as well. Oh, yeah, all the time. I you know, I always say that whether it's my communication or my intentions, they tend to get muddled quite a bit. Yeah, no, it's, it's always a always a fine line between trying to mean what you say and say what you mean. Or, um, oh, yeah, for sure. For getting sure. that right. So I, in an interest of finding out why people seem to miscommunicate or how these miscommunications happen, um, kind of fell into a rabbit hole of perceptual relativism. Um, this idea that, or linguistic relativism, I should say, this idea that language as we use it significantly alters our perception um, in, in our day-to-day -day conversations, if, if, not, if not nothing else. Um, this is an idea that actually comes from America. So right there, <laughs> that's your ancestors. Um, it, uh -huh. uh, I know, yeah. Um, the orig originally it came up because these guys called, um, I think, Benjamin Lee Wolf and a few other uh, people back in the um, when it was like I don't know much about American history. When it was just like the post yeah, native, like post uh, cowboy kind of thing, like uh, the I think the it was like eighteen eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. I think. Yeah, so I, I'd imagine around the early nineteen hundreds or like late eighteen hundreds is when this happened. But um, this guy Wolf and another guy called Sevier, um, they started studying Native American languages. Um, suddenly, like, you know, it kind of, this kind of opened up with the whole noble savage idea, I think, um, that, you know, you guys have had in the past. Um, hey, listen, you can talk about it. It happened. <laughs> it did happen. It's very yeah, um, touchy it, subject. It right? yeah. um, but these, these scientists, quote unquote scientists, sorry, I'm a bit salty about their work. Um, uh, they... Right. They studied these Native American languages and decided that they had completely different conceptual understandings of things compared to English, right? So the way we would talk about um, colors or the way we talk about uh, like clean, cleanliness and things like that, using tools and things like that. And then they came up with this huge um, theory that just struck the linguistic community quite amazingly uh, the theory was that language essentially determines how you think so just by changing somebody's language you can change how they think it's like akin to hypnotism you know um ah. what do you think about that at least like I i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it uh well i mean it makes it makes sense so to speak i mean like i've read books about like there's one about like uh, essentially the, the the idea is like how to win arguments or how to get people to not argue oh, right. with you, I you know, this and yes. yeah, and you know a lot of that it's a very it sounds like a similar concept where it's like if you change the way that you speak on it and communicate on it, typically people will either be more or less receptive or their language will change towards you based on, I guess the presentation. I don't know if it's the same idea of what you're thinking, but that's kind of what I'm familiar with. Um, so uh, I think 
it just goes to show the power of words. You know, they always talk about sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. But, you know, words can do a lot of things. <laughs> they totally can hurt you. In, including hurt you. <laughs> I know. It's just like, what if somebody's just like, execution, execute this person. And then they're just like. Um, right. You know, but, I don't have to punch you, but I'll tell that guy to punch you. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Um, and, oh, God, in politics and stuff, you know, words can totally hurt a whole country oh, if, I- if not done properly. Oh, a sore spot is all sore spot. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> genuinely didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's okay. Go ahead. It's okay. Um, yeah, and I think actually you you touched on what that initial theory came to be because soon after they created this like linguistic relativistic uh, relative uh, relativity theory, um, a lot of actual scientists and people who actually cared about things more so than they did, or at least who were less biased than they did, um, came up and said, "Hang on, no." You're just being like, you know, you're just trying to exotify Native Americans. Like, that's not how this works. Like, you're putting way too much credence on these ideas. And since then, the scientific community around linguistic relativism has been constantly working and trying to figure out where it is. And it ended up, at least in the 21st century, in being in this middle ground where language doesn't necessarily determine perception, but it kind of frames it or focuses things. And that's kind of what you said with your book about how, you know, you can change how you say and do things, and that will have an influence on the person receiving it, but it won't necessarily determine that. Does that make sense? Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, right with you. Yeah. Um, but I, I was I was quite interested in still seeing how far this went, and that's when I actually started reading about all of these kinds of things around these these experiments around people trying to determine what capacity of language does what and what capacity of perception is influenced and that sort of thing. It's pretty crazy, dude. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the the amount of um, influence that language can do. Like, um, have you heard of this? I, I only found it, I found it out recently. Um, but some Russian and uh, European scientists were comparing languages with different colors um, in order to determine your color perception. You know how we have like blue and then light blue and purple and pink and that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's a language in Dani, uh, sorry, the language is called Dani, I think, um, which is the language of New Guinea. And they only have two words for colors. It's like Mili for like cold colors and Mola or warm colors. So imagine having a language where you only had two words for colors, like all the colors you know. Right, meaning like they wouldn't they don't say like oh that's red or oh that's 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 you know uh, black. They would just use what they associate with a, a warm or cool color and just that would be it. Yeah, like imagine going to like a I don't know, a car store and being like to your to your friend just like oh yeah, I'm just going to get the dark like color <laughs> just like car like because you can't actually specify if it's blue or green or dark red or dark purple or anything it's just right i want that dark one that looks like trees yeah. <laughs> actually yeah. that could be how it actually works i don't know i was i was wondering how they managed to distinguish between colors but you may have hit the nail right on the head there but like yeah like i want the i want the dark one that looks like water you know, I want the, 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 I want the light one that looks like the sun, you know, <laughs> it just goes all around and around. Yeah. Um, but see under like Wolf's and Sapir's assertions that linguistic relativism is com- a complete thing, um, that would kind of imply that the Dani people, um, well, the people in New Guinea couldn't see colors other than cold and warm colors. 
so like mm. the assertion would be that you'd look at you look at five cars they'd be like dark blue dark purple dark green and dark red and then you'd ask um the people who speak the Dali language to choose the like choose one that's the the exceptional one or like the different one or tell us if they're all different and according to like this the old theory they would be like they're all the same because they can't see but that is not what happened because that's that's just out of the question and what did happen is that they looked into it and they found that the people in new guinea had a um weren't as capable of distinguishing different colors as we were if that makes sense meaning like they couldn't see it or they didn't know how to express it um neither actually it's it's more really? that well it's more that they were able to express it and they were able to distinguish it but if they were asked to um if they were showed like colors in quick su- succession of one another actually another study was done um with russian and english um in russian there's two different words for a uh, light and dark blue and so they it's called a russian blue and so what they did was basically um get human like english speakers to distinguish between light and dark blue and then russian speakers to distinguish between like light and dark blue and they found that russian speakers were much more like were able to distinguish those colors much quicker much easier and like with a staggering like level of accuracy um so we suck essentially when um uh-huh. comparing like the blues but russians do not Hmm. I wonder I wonder if any of that has anything to do with like the availability and the frequency of seeing the colors. I, you know, like I mean I know we're talking about the linguistic part of it but maybe tying that in is like you know like I've I've never grown I've grown up always knowing what the color red looked like very vividly. I had crayons, you know, I had you know shirts and pants and 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 TV shows. The Power Rangers had like five of the main colors, you know, like like everything always, I always had something to associate with those to learn them. But like, if you're growing up and linguistically and educationally, if someone just saying like, Hey, hey here's what we know. And you're like, Oh, what's that one? Well, I, I've only ever known that as this. What's that? Also have only ever known it as this, <laughs> you know, if you don't have the selection, maybe that's why it's so limited in the first place. You know, that's, maybe you don't I, see it as often. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like it's, it's that idea that I, I don't know enough about the, over 2000 languages in the world to be able to um, confirm nor deny that. But that actually makes complete sense. Like your vocabulary is, you know, a language's lexicon changes dependent on what's available around them, right? Like you wouldn't have a word for like a car in the in 200 BC because there is no car. Or like, um, I don't know, like if you're a completely landlocked civilization who has never moved outside of like a hundred meter radius, would they even have a word for sea, for example? Right. I mean, there there are protected people uh, out in the world that like are still very primitive uh, and they live a very old way of life and they'll never know technology. They've seen some of it, but they don't know what it is. You know, so like if a helicopter flies over and somebody's like taking video of them, I mean, do they have a word for that or do they have to make one because they see it now? You know, like you come up with it when you see it more, you know, so maybe the only time that people saw like truly like a, a very beautiful red or like a certain kind of purple is when the, the sun sets a certain way on the horizon or whatever. And they're like, Oh, well, well, we have a word for what that's called. Not that color, you know? Yeah. I mean, like actually the, you gave me a 
like genuine thought like I, that's kind of happening in our language as well right like if you go like 50 years ago and ask somebody oh do you know what google is or like the the verb google you know which is now actually in our dictionaries they'd be like what because back in right. the day even when the google search engine was around you'd probably just go and say oh you can just go to google and search for it or something like that and eventually it became such a thing that now google is a word right we have a word for the act of going into the google search engine and searching something <laughs> that's like right. insane that's so yeah so i mean i don't know i don't know if that's how it works linguistically or or philosophically but i mean like that's my hypothesis so far, based on what information you've given me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's a very, it's a very good hypothesis, and you've actually touched on something that is very, very apt that we'll go into right now. Um, also, why you're very smart, Adam? Very smart. <laughs> jump on those things. Um, this, you know, how you were talking about how like it, it's all about influences, right? Like if you're growing up and you have these select like these things around you, you'll have words for that because you you're influenced. Like, well, you have you've experienced them and that sort of thing, right? Right. But that isn't there's there's you can you can go you can turn that up to an eleven and you can just kind of go to an extreme and say what happens if like what about emotions? Like what happens if you're um you know uh what happens if you're exposed to certain emotions and you have those feelings, but then you're exposed to other emotions in different situations, would those also change how like you consider emotions? What, what do you think? Uh, let me see if I understand what you said. Are you saying that would a color, are we still talking about colors? We're still talking about colors. Or are we just talking about influences <laughs> in general and how you feel emotions? <laughs> Okay. Uh, I don't know why, doing? but I was still thinking about colors because you mentioned, the, you know, <laughs> growing up with different foods. Uh, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I know that, you know, I mean, I think it's a pretty, pretty sound science in general that like, you know, if you grow up a certain way, you know, you see the world a certain way, you hear the world a certain way, you know, your perspective is different, you know, like not all American kids grew up the same way. So they don't always see the world the same way. And it's why we have the, the country that we have. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely think that definitely has a, an impact on how you feel emotions and and when they pop up for sure. Yeah, and I think that that's really like show. I mean, obviously, as we as we mentioned, it's not like it determines how you see things, but it does definitely have an influence, right? Like so, um, there was a British study, I think, done or like a European again. I'm just gonna say European because it covers everybody around that area. Um, right. Uh, that that took out around 2,100 languages together and then got like paired words to emotional words. And they found that even though there's a lot of similarities, there are also a lot of dissimilarities regarding how we view emotion. For example, people um, with Austronesian languages, which are essentially languages that are in like uh, Southeast Asia and like Madagascar and places like that, um, mm -hmm. they view love with more of a negative emotional space like they view love compared to pity like love and pity are words that go side by side which just blew my mind because like that's not at all how i consider love love is like a good thing right it's not a pitiable thing mm -hmm. well um, i would suppose i would i mean i don't know culturally why i mean i'm interested to know why that is <laughs> That's actually a fair point. Yeah, I wanna I wanna know more about why they consider it like a pitiable thing, and I think that expands with um, like the Japanese language has different uh, like the word love is usually exclusively only used for like marital love or like you know um, 
boyfriend, girlfriend, love. It isn't used outside of that. While in English, we're a bit more liberal with how we use love. Like we say, we love each other all the time um, and cares a lot. Or like, I love cake. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You'd very rarely say that in the Japanese language. Instead, you would just say, I like cake. But that like is so similar, that the word for like is so similar to love that you can say, I like you to mean, I love you as well. Or like the precursor to, I love you. So it's like all over the place, kind of different connotations and that sort of thing. Um, but what that really brings to me, what that actually brings to mind is the idea that we all have different connotations to words and that leads us to viewing things quite differently. Um, to take something that is quite uh, topical in America, at least, um, with the whole movement to defund the police and that sort of thing. I can. I was. I was reading an article, and there were like two different viewpoints. The article was trying their best to keep a, in like have a neutral perspective, and so they were interviewing people who were against and towards it. And it's so right. interesting how much of a different perspective they had of the word police. Right? You have people mm-hmm. who are in less franchised neighborhoods considering the police to not so much be the bastion of protection that you would miss, you would consider it to be in a more urban or a more um, suburban populace. Um, these people, both sides of the coin, saw the word police with such a different um, con- with such different connotations. Like one side would be more protection and the other side would be more danger, you know? And right. Like of- there are people that either fear the police or they welcome the police. Exactly. And it, it's not like you, you kind of think about it and then you wonder, this isn't because they just want to, they have some kind of a grand scheme against the police or grand scheme for the police, I should say. It's more that in when they were growing up in that neighborhood, in that area, the connotation or the linguistic, the words used to describe the police and to just consider what the police stood for were quite different, like due to experiential things which we know for a fact like even in New Zealand um if you go to the west side of the country I hope I'm not insulting <laughs> Westies here um general or like southwest you'll have people with more of a negative perception of the police because generally speaking um the southwest area has people who are in a less a socioeconomic state like less than the more rich people in the north so, oh man, it's all you're ruining New Zealand for me. <laughs> I thought everything was peachy all the time over there. I mean, nothing's always peachy everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was keen everywhere. I thought it was sweet as. I thought it you was should just still come, come and be sweet. No, no, yes, no, but no. I mean, I mean, it is relatable. Uh, I mean, as you were saying that, I was thinking about like how different. Uh, I'm sure a lot of countries have different uh, nicknames for, again, just using police as an example, since you brought it up, you know, depending on your upbringing, you have different nicknames for the police, you know, like if you have a more uh, heroic or, uh, you know, upstanding idea of the police, you call them the boys in blue around here, you know, like here come the boys in blue, you're done now, you know, but like there are other people that call them the fuzz, you know, uh, who have a worse danger. Here comes, uh, you know, the five O. You know, which I believe has oh. to do with like what it, what it's called. I think five O is a type of call they get. But five O, a lot of people learn that lingo because they were in out of jail a lot because they got either wrongfully or rightfully, depending. Um, you know, they're always just afraid of the cops. So they, you know, if you're if you're somebody who has a negative connotation to the word police, you probably also have a lot of bad nicknames for them. And you know, on the flip side, if you if you like the police and you're you know 
you say, oh, here come the boys in blue, or here come the cops, or here come the police. You call them by their name, or you call them by something grandiose. And if you don't, then it's usually something bad, like the fuzz or the or the five o, you know. Um, so you develop that lingo or those that that language just from your experiences. So uh, I mean, it all seems to to all seems to check out so far on on kind of how your emotions change based on just even societal influence. No, you're completely right, and it, and it actually to take it. This is this is the this is the like dialing into eleven kind of thing. It's it's so pervasive, Adam, like how language influences our thoughts that we found that language can literally influence our memories, like they can change our memories. Um, Go on. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of why a lot of um, like I, I don't actually know much about America, but I'm pretty sure I hope in New Zealand eyewitness testimony isn't like damning evidence. Um, and I think that is the case in at least a lot of your states as well, where like eyewitness testimony isn't considered like uh, it's it's considered circumstantial evidence, I think, or something like that. I could be completely wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, there needs to be more. I mean, like it, it is used like it, for juries, but I mean they some things just aren't admissible. Like you can have testimony, but you still need to have other things to back it up. Cause ultimately the judge will make decisions on what can be stricken from, you know, the evidence like, look, cause all you got is this person telling a story. That's not enough to put somebody in jail, you know? Yeah, exactly. And but I think sometimes it, it is depending on where you live. Yeah. And that makes total sense because, oh my gosh, I wouldn't testimony the, the philosophy or like the psychology or an eyewitness testimony is a whole other topic to itself. But um, I, I brought that up because um, there was a study done by Stanford University, um, like this is, I think, uh, five, uh, maybe 10 years ago, and they compared um, Japanese speakers to English speakers again, and Japanese speakers because Japanese is quite a distinctive language. Um, the, the aspect here that they were checking is that, uh, you know how when we say things, we have a tendency to provide emphasis on the agent of the action or like the, the subject of the action. So for example, if you ran away, um, I wouldn't say ran away. I would say Adam ran away or like Azul fell down, right? Like we, we, right, we play right. That's why we have like subject, object, verb kind of thing. Is that how English works? I can't remember. Um, Something like that, yeah. Subject, predicate, yeah. all those things, yeah. Exactly. Um, but the Japanese, they don't usually use the subject. They oftentimes skip the subject. So if they saw uh, somebody running away, they would just say, oh, ran away. Or like if I fell down, they'd be like, oh, you fell down. Sorry, oh, fell down. So there wouldn't be a you or a Zul or an Adam. It would just be the verb and the like, yeah. Um, which is quite distinctive to English. And right. what, they, what they found that when they showed both Japanese and English speakers a video of a car crash um, and then asked them if they saw uh, like w what happened or like, uh, so like uh, who did it? Or um, like they asked them about the agent of, uh, or, or I suppose the cause of the, um, of the accident, Japanese speakers had a harder time remembering who to blame for those situations, while English speakers could do that much better. Interesting. And they kind of went down this rabbit hole of comparisons with like how memory can change. And they found that literally by using the word smash instead of collided or smash instead of hit or smash instead of contacted, you can convince people that they saw glass in a car crash rather than when there was no glass in the car crash. Right. No, that makes sense. It, it's kind of it's kind of how like it's kind of how like over time, like in, in a lot of popular pop culture lexicon, um, 
where like, you know, one of the most famous uh, misquoted movie lines of all time is uh, Hello, Clarice from. Uh, uh, oh, crap. What's a movie with Hannibal Lecter? My brain just like skipped it out. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. What's it called? Uh, a Silence of the Lambs. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. Where one of the most famous things that he never said was hello Clarice, but because everybody has always said it. And even if you've seen the movie a dozen times, people say it so much that your inclination is to remember it as hello Clarice, but he says, good evening Clarice. Right. But it's such a simple change because it's been said so many times that, you know, you just kind of remember it as that's what it was. I'm almost positive. That's what he said. You know, even though you actually know otherwise, you know, it's kind of interesting yeah. how, how you can trick a brain to do that just based on just, you know, speaking affirmatively and using specific keywords. Oh yeah, it, it, it totally is. And I'm pretty sure like uh, Luke, I am your father is another example of that, right? Like, cause like it wasn't, I'm pretty sure they, they had like, I am your father and then Luke, but not together. And so somehow it became Luke. I yeah, am it's something, it's something, something, like it's something, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how like you just believe it because it's been said. Yeah. Uh, but what you're saying is a little bit more cerebral, I think, where it's like, you know, instead of saying, oh, there was glass breaking and being quite literal like those lines, you're just using very specific words that make people think, oh, yeah, maybe there was a busted window or maybe there was glass on the ground and I just didn't. It's kind of how you can convince somebody that something happened a certain way just by being affirmative and saying, like, don't you remember? Like, there's a lot of shattering and a lot of crunching and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe there was. <laughs> yeah, but what makes this study, what, what made the study, like, just insane for me is that all they did, uh, like... Uh, um, like literally all they did is after showing the video, they'd get them to involve themselves in other tasks so to kind of forget. And then later on, they would ask uh, the subjects a question. They would either ask, um, did you see glass when the two car uh, cars crashed? Or did you see glass when the two cars hit each other or something like that, right? right. And just by phrasing that, the proportion of people who thought they saw glass, like, significantly increased like just by phrasing it as smashed instead of hit or smashed instead of like contact right just with one word and it's kind of like in that like, i don't know about you but like i i'm terrified by the idea that just by using one different word you can change how i think about things no azul i i have mixed feelings on it uh, <laughs> because like i think that yes it could be used for evil but it could also be used <laughs> for good, you know, or as a therapy, you, you know, like that's how I'm thinking is like maybe to help somebody heal, you can maybe retool how they think about a memory or maybe they kind of don't remember just the bad things, you know, like maybe you're afraid of spiders because of this one incident, but you're like, remember how, like, do you remember the small spider? Even though they're so convinced it was this massive, but remember that little dinky spider you you were afraid of when you were a kid. You know, like it could be a way, just like you add a certain thing. Or you remember that that, that little creature? Just about, like instead of, you know, I think it's powerful. I think it's a really cool thought that you bring up. Is like you know, it is scary, but it also could be. My brain always goes to the positive. It could be a very powerful tool, you know, to be used for goodness as well. <laughs> and and I love that. You you're absolutely right. I think that's where. Um, like going into the more of what you touch. That's essentially where the idea of, that's kind of where the idea of triggers comes from as well. Like, or mm -hmm. at least it's very comparable, right? You have a negative association with a word that may be linked to a memory of some sort. And by mentioning that word or phrase or something like that, your uh, experience is reinvigorated or just 
put back into the forefront of your mind, right? And sure. so therapy essentially tries to navigate around that or like to kind of de uh, desensitize. That's the wrong word. I'm like, you know, make it less of an issue to you than it is. Like, right, you take, you take away some of its power. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, right. Much you, better you than I did. Power. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, deep power. Like I, I remember I had a I had a girlfriend. Uh, believe it or not, I had a girlfriend at one time. Uh, <laughs> I had a girlfriend when in high school um, named Andrea, and Andrea had a. We went to this uh, theme park here in Pennsylvania called Kennywood. It's a very famous theme park here in this in the state. And um, we, I remember we were planning on going there, and she had a really bad experience on a ride. Well, it's it's more of an experience than it is a ride. Uh, it's, it's called Noah's Ark and you go in, it's like, it's kind of creepy looking thing. And there's like animal heads and, and different sounds and the boat is leaking. And like, it's kind of an experience. It's, it's kind of like a haunted house, but not really. Um, but anyway, she, I really wanted to go there and I was like, I never been there. And everybody talks about how cool it is. And I said, I want to go. And she developed a fear of primates of, of monkeys and gorillas and apes, um, because of some, an experience she had when she was younger there. And she remembers this gorilla face in the beginning of the thing, this massive gorilla and it jumps out. And she just remembers thinking like it was huge and it was scary and it was grinning at me. And like, I don't want to go in there. And I, you know, finally I convinced her to go in. This was like six years after this had ever happened. I said, please just come in here with me. I don't want to go in by myself. I'll just leave you out here doing nothing. So she she goes in with me. And the first thing we see is this, this gorilla face. And it's like so small. It's barely even noticeable if you're not even looking for it. <laughs> and I go in, I was like, this is what you were afraid of? And she goes, I don't, they must have made it smaller. Like, I swear it was bigger. You oh, know, like, isn't it interesting how like you like kind of similar to what you said, but you do it to yourself. You yeah. put all these adjectives on it that weren't even there. These facts about it that actually aren't facts at all. They're just fabrications, you know, and you remember something is in no way remotely how it happened yeah. but like because of words that you placed on it at the time like now you remember it forever that's exactly what happened you know like that's why hearsay and circumstantial evidence and 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 you know people seeing like you said that is dangerous because somebody might swear up and down that's exactly what i saw even though it might not be remotely what oh, you yeah. saw <laughs> insane, right like have you have you seen those videos it's it's like uh um uh, about like people talking about their phobias and e- even me like for example like I I always uh, there was this moment when I was a kid and I I have I have a fear of spiders like arachnophobia um, and I always remember like until I was I think 15 or 16 I remember there being a huge spider that fell onto my um, chest when I was taking a bath um, when mm-hmm. I was a really small kid but when I talked to my parents about it like much later and um, they were like yeah no, that was like a tiny spider. <laughs> it was like mm-hmm. barely the size of your nail. And I was like, no. <laughs> like, no, man, it was like as big as the lights. Like, didn't yeah. you see it? Yeah. How'd you miss it crawling out of the room? <laughs> oh, <damn laughs> um, but but yeah, exactly. You kind of you kind of do it to yourself in these kinds of situations. It's, it's, yeah, it's, that's pretty powerful stuff. You know, just one one tiny one tiny word becomes it can become a very big problem <laughs> exactly. or a big change, you know, to give it more of a neutral word, a big change. Yeah. Power of words, right? Right. 
So yeah, you may be wondering, this is all cool and you know interesting and that sort of thing, or maybe even not interesting and it's completely boring, Adam. Um, but yeah, I fell asleep twice. Sorry, oh, was sorry. I sleeping when I talked just now? Because I talk in my sleep. Oh no, no it's so, fine. You kind of you awake <laughs> while you're asleep as well, so I can I deal with it. It's all good. No, no, it's it's all good so far, man. Keep it coming. Um, so you may be wondering like why this is well, this matters to you and I, or like in, in general, like it, it's interesting to think about things, but it's very rarely that they actually matter in your day-to-day -day life, right? That's the general consensus that we all had. But right. consider it this way, like the reason why this matters is that being aware of what you say is perhaps the least you can do to your friends and your family and the people you care about, because it clearly from these scientific experimentations, you can tell how how much of a difference just saying one thing can mean to another person uh, compared to what it means to you. You can see the power, the true power of essentially, you know how like a lot of therapists say, like if you just repeat to yourself, I'm good, I'm good, or like I'm good at this, like it actually has a positive effect. That's because of this. It's essentially, re, um, it, it's essentially uh, uh, strengthening that idea between good and you. And so with a lot of people who have like, um, self-esteem issues and stuff like that while it's really hard to get out of those slumps and i totally sympathize with that um even even saying i'm i'm like i i do not have this or like i i'm okay with this or something like that maybe once or twice a day has a significant effect on your overall mental health um similarly or like at least significant effect at getting to getting you past a certain point um, conversely, if you're having an argument or uh, talking with other people, like it, it's tried and true advice that you shouldn't blame the like the opposite if you're having an argument with a friend because they'll take it badly, um, or um, that you shouldn't that you should phrase it in such a way. Well, I, I usually what I learned about when I looked into this is that you should always apparently phrase it in such a way that it's not reality; it's just how you perceive things. So instead of saying like "Yes, but this is what you did, uh, and that's wrong," you should say yes, this is what you did. And that made me feel like this is what you meant kind of thing, you know? Right, um, right, right. Actually, I'm so glad you said that because the two most prominent books that uh, one I've read completely and the other one I'm reading through, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and uh, Getting Past No, which is where I got the argument data from. Um, two things that I took from both so far, one was you, the difference between using the word can't and the word don't. Um, you know, like, like one of them is, is an assertion of power. One of them is a relinquishing of power. So like, if someone says like, like to my example with, you know, uh, my girlfriend not wanting to go into Noah's Ark, I can't go in there. Like, yeah. I can't go in right. there. It's too scary. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, that's saying that I've already given up power. That thing has power over me. I can't do it. You know, where like another example that somebody gave with using don't is like saying like, you know, if somebody asked me, Adam, you want to, you want to go out for beer later? I don't drink, you know, that's right. a choice. I, I yeah. don't drink. It's not that no, I can't, I can't drink. Drink. Yep. <laughs> like saying, oh, I can't drink. I go crazy or I can't drink. I just can't <laughs> touch myself. I don't drink. I don't drink and I'm not going to drink or I don't smoke or, or, if, or if you have a, a toxic person in your life, you could say, instead of like, I just can't deal with him right now. You know, yeah. again, that's giving power to him. That's taking power from you. But if you say, I don't deal with to toxic people, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't, I choose not to deal with him right now. You know, it's not because I can't handle it. It's because I don't want to, you know, they're bad for me. You yeah. know, like one of them is a choice and one of them is a, is, is a relinquishing of power, you know, I'm so actually, that sounds similarly to what you were saying. Oh yeah. 100%. And I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I think that's a, a 
amazing example of why we should be aware of what we say and the connotations around it because i don't know about you but when i go around saying i can't or i don't i don't do that consciously i just say it appropriate to the situation but if i look back and think okay why did i say this it's all, almost always because i feel like i'm relinquishing power in the in the can't situation or wherein i just don't want to do something and i don't want to do that in the don't situation even though i didn't know that that's how i've been using it and you know like you're exactly right if we use it a bit more differently or if we're aware of it and we change how we say it that has the potential of changing how we view a situation right yeah. Uh, actually, I wanted to real quickly, if I may, I just finished a chapter in this book and there was something just that ties into this so wonderfully. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got to find it. Uh, <laughs> so like at the end of each chapter in this book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is I'm taking this seriously, not just trying to read through it. I'm trying to like pause and try to practice. Yeah. Um, so like there's um, there's something that they call application suggestions at the end of the book and they say like, Oh, here's ways you can try to practice some of these things, pick one or try to do them all to get better at it. And so one of them says, just like you were saying for a full day, listen to your language and to the language of the people around you. How often do you use and hear reactive phrases, reaction reactive phrases is a big part of the subject uh-huh. of this chapter is like just things that you say, like proactive versus reactive, reactive, just, you just, you let your emotions get the best of you and you just say the first thing that comes to your brain. You don't think it over. Um, so how often do you hear and say reactive phrases? Like if only, or I can't, or I have to, you know, like those, those are words that they want you to, to listen to. Um, because like, those are typically ones that are in what they call the reactive nature. Um, and they want you to focus more on what's called your circle of influence, which is things that you have control over, you know, like there's things you can't control like the weather, but what you can control is your reaction to the weather, you know, like, you know, okay, it's raining. Well, shit, my, there goes my day, you know, like, like you're already reacting to just like, well, I can't be productive now. I can't go outside and do the things I want to do. I can't you know, go driving now. I'm afraid to drive in the rain. Like you can choose your reaction over it or you can choose your, your words and, and how you react to it. Uh, so similar to what you were saying, like you, you either have words that are just, you're giving up, you're putting the blame on something else or someone else. Like it's their fault. It's its fault. It's the weather's fault. It's that guy's fault. It's my mom's fault. You know, even if you knew, like I grew up as a child of abuse in an abusive family, that if I blamed everything that I do on my parents, I'd never have to have any blame or responsibility. And in the book, they say, if you give up responsibility to everyone else, anytime something bad happens to you, then you're giving up responsibility for when anything good happens either, because nothing right. is ever your fault or under your control, you know? So it's all, it's all based on other people taking care of you or influencing your life. You know, you have no control over your life is what you're saying. If yeah. something bad happens, it's not my fault. And if something good happens, even if you want to take credit for it, guess what? You can't, if you can't take the bad, you can't take the good either, you know? Dude. That's that's insane because um, I, I don't know, like I've, I've had, I, I had a friend um, who was a therapist who mentioned that with a lot of people who are depressed, um, their circle of influence is way more focused on them. So whenever mm-hmm. something bad happens, it's like, I'm the cause of this. It's my fault. Instead of like looking at the weather or like something else that is objectively more likened to it. It's, it's insane how different that is. And oh man. Right. The circle of influence. Yeah. I mean, and you're right. The circle of influence, it is easy to, to, but again, all of those are based on outward problems, you know, like they're all things that you technically didn't control, but you're making it about an outside influence as opposed to like what, okay, let's just say that everything in the, in that, that bad happened. 
was your fault. Well, what are you going to do about it? You know, like how, <laughs> like, 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 like how you can react to it and where you, again, I'm not saying it's easy. Like you said, it's, it is challenging to change your mindset, but just yeah. changing how you use certain words, just like you said, is a huge, it really does make a difference. Like, that's why I don't know if you guys ever notice in our meetings or when we're hanging out, a word I'm trying to get rid of is the word problem. I'm trying to, I'm trying to change it to the word challenge because I like being challenged and I think challenges can be overcome. Problems can be solved too. Don't get me wrong. Like there's a solution to every problem, but challenge makes it sound like it it wants me to beat it. It wants me to overcome it. I like that. a, A problem sounds like it's a wall that's being built around me and like, ah, how am I going to solve this problem versus how am I going to beat this challenge? You know, <laughs> like, I think that's a much like solve sounds like solve is a good word, but it's also like a, it's, it's a tough word. Cause like it, it the word in itself is a soft word. Solve. Yeah. Where like beat is like, you got to start with that hard B. I got to beat this thing. I'm going to whip its ass, you know? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry to Bogart what you were doing there. But I was really, right. I was just really excited that you said that because like, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength with you as, well, as always, you know, um, but please yeah, continue. No, I'm, I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving your points though. Cause it, it kind of speaks so well to the overall idea and it just kind of, it works out perfectly. And I guess, yeah, like, uh, Essentially, what what learning about this um, did to me is that it made me be aware of my friends and you know how people talk specifically. Like you'll find me a lot of times in arguments, just kind of like when 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 people are focusing on the argument itself, I kind of veer to the right and be like, okay, why are you why did you say this? And then try to like tone like try try to pinpoint where people are coming from. It's very important, even when you're having arguments with people who have like a completely different worldview. Like it's hard to do. Like I've tried doing this with people who are flat earthers as well. It didn't work out that well. But um <laughs> that's that's less because that's like that's less because of their ideology and more because that person was not open to having an open dialogue. Um, but I, I think that this is something that like lets people connect better, you know, like if, if you're a person of um, liberal views and you want to, you know, um, connect with somebody who's a Republican, then the easiest way is figuring out where they put emphasis, like what words or what, you know, where their use of words are coming from, why, <clears throat> why they would think, oh, uh, this issue is not an issue or this issue may not be important because of, and then you kind of look into that. And I'm not saying that you should listen to either or or change your political views or something, but it's a good way of trying to empathize with people, you know, like finding out where they're coming from using, you know, right. being able to use this language that we've been given. I definitely agree. I think, I think like the use of, you know, just being aware of your own language is like, again, like not to harken back to that too much, but like your own circle of influence and what's important. You can help how you talk. You can help what you say. You can change what your, you know, reaction is to be more proactive. And so, you know, um, it's really been a challenge. And actually I've been trying to be more uh, transparent about that so like oftentimes like i'll just like like uh, like sometimes my brain auto corrects to what i think i'm trying to say and then i have to go back <laughs> and delete it but i delete it in real time oh yeah you know like i do it all the time like the word problem like i say it all like i'm like all right let's solve this problem you know what challenge challenge let's call it let's let's beat this shit you know like i just say it in real time like i, I don't want to say that word anymore i don't like that word anymore let's you know so it's also like, you know, being more aware of trans folks and, um, you know, I'm trying to be more aware of that when I speak, uh, if p- people eagle-eared people who really listen to this podcast might notice recently 
that I'll say like, all right, guys and girls. And then I'll stop and say people, you know, because yeah. like there might be people who don't know what they are or might not be able to identify which if ever or if any, you know, and I'm trying to be more aware of that. So like I'm trying to go from like boys and girls or guys and girls to like people to say like things like, you know, human beings, just something that's like is, is more inclusive until I get, you know, because even though even though it's not like a big deal in the grand scheme of things, it's a big deal in my brain. So yeah. like I'm like, you know, this is a good exercise in changing how I talk, you know? Yeah. Um. So even if it doesn't always come out the way that I want it, I'm going to edit it in real time. So it reflects that, you know, Um. and I think that's a big step, you know, so so what you were saying, trying to understand and, and, and get people's perspectives and things. Sometimes you may start that sentence with, you know, uh, just being angry, like I don't understand you know what, can you help me understand <laughs> why exactly. you think that way or feel that way? I know I've been like, I've been trying to do that more as well. Instead of just immediately going, okay, you're wrong because of this. <laughs> I've, I've been trying to say, okay, why do you think that? And just start from there, you know, like it's always just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also learned that um, while the word why isn't a bad word, when you're in an argument or a debate, sometimes why can be taken as an aggressive word. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Like why is almost accusatory. Like, yes, why did yes. you do that? Why do you feel like why has a very strong feel to it? So like what makes you feel that way? Like using like, the word feel, what makes you feel that way? What happened? Like, can you help me understand, you know, what? Oh, yes. Can you help me understand? That's a good one as well. Like, yeah. Now, why isn't a bad word if you don't start with it? Like, can you help me understand why you feel that way versus why do you feel that way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> See, even, even that, like literally almost the identical words, but just the phrasing and you immediately change the connotation, right? <laughs> like, right. why do you feel that way? Versus like, shit, I forgot. Sorry. I don't know if I can, I can like swear on this podcast. It's totally fine. <laughs> Hell yeah, you can. Uh, uh, I forgot the other one you said, but yes, it gave me a complete different impression. So there you have it. <laughs> yeah. You know, can you help me understand why or why? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Completely different. Why I mean, is such a dicky word? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, even even with using pronouns, like I, I don't like when people, and this is a bit of my political views, but I don't like when people make a big deal about it. Uh, to clarify, people make a big deal about not using the correct pronouns um, because like while I, I wouldn't care if somebody called me a she, they, or her, or him, um, I know that there are a lot of people who would really care about that, even if they were a guy. And if somebody called a guy a girl, they'd be like, oh my gosh, how dare you, for example. Or like right. if you're a girl and you get called a guy, they'll be super insulted. Like if, if, you, if people who are um, in, in that like general gender spectrum or like the opposite ends of the gender spectrum can, can be like insulted by that, then surely we can take an extra step to be inclusive with all other pronouns, right? This is my view, but like, sorry. You can come sure, to that. Yeah, you... absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, but yeah, but again, it, it's it's the language. Like, how do you approach those things? How can you have a better conversation so that it's not a fight and it's not a debate? It's just a conversation of of conflicting sides. Like, you know, I think even just saying like debate debate used to be a gentle word, and now it's a very fierce word. You know, we're having a debate. That. Yeah, like I, I never got how that happened. To be honest, <laughs> like it happened, uh, politics. Yeah politics just get people get really heated on their politics you know <laughs> so now the word debate comes with you know politics anytime you say the word debate like your brain immediately goes to something with 
presidential or governmental or something like that right, where right. you know instead of just saying well hey let's not have a debate let's have a conversation you know let's just figure this out <laughs> you know <laughs> you know um yeah but i mean so you're right even just picking one word changes a lot yeah um so i think we're getting close to ending time i think usually in confuddled uh, alex and i like to end the episode by saying something that they that we learned um, in the in the span of like talking about this uh, at the topic um, what what is it that you take away from this um, adam putting on the spot immediately sure uh well um i would say that first of all i i like this kind of subject and i like talking about it and i think uh, something that I took away from it. First of all, uh, if you want to take something more factual that I learned, I did not know the thing about the folks in New Guinea. I thought that oh, was right. pretty interesting. Um, I didn't, uh, I hadn't really thought about how, uh, language and geography can affect mm. what people, I mean, I knew it can affect what people understand, but like, I never really thought about it outside of America. Like you just assume everybody knows red. You just assume everybody knows green, you know? <laughs> just assume people know those things and it's a little humbling actually to think like maybe people don't like not all languages are you know it's really hard for me to think outside of like what's the english translation and i always confuse me about how some words just aren't translated into english i'm like how like like <laughs> and, and like how how germany and all those other countries have words that we don't have and i'm just like yeah. well, why don't why don't we have a word for that <laughs> you know yeah. so it's it's fascinating to me to learn that so that was very cool i hadn't really thought about that kind of perception so First of all, I really liked that. I thought that was a very unique and, and the idea of like influencing people. Like when you said to study about smash, even though, even if there was no glass breaking, like that is such a ninja move I know. to do that. Like it's, it's a, such a cerebral ninja move, you know, but it's so interesting to think like, that's how like magicians do stuff, which is simple influence <laughs> that they can do to get you to believe something. Yeah. Um, and lastly, I think just in general, what I learned and what I love learning about is that, you know, there are people out there that think about this kind of stuff like I do, like yourself as well. <laughs> <laughs> but what about, what about you? I mean, I know you were the presenter, but like, I mean, you said you had to kind of read up on this stuff. Like what was the most interesting to you? I think it was, yeah, every time I read about it and every time I like learn just a bit more about it, it kind of still hits me hard about how like really how different the same words could mean to other people i know like we in this episode focus more on um general uh like different languages and how they can influence things but um so confuddled an episode that's quite similar about how like the same language if you're bilingual can have different um influences and that sort of thing as well and we go into it a bit more um but it, it's insane how like i just love the idea like i hate the idea of miscommunications but i love learning about it and so my like takeaway is just like ways to make sure you know you know what you're saying so that you can actually have a productive conversation with people you know uh, right yeah. I always, i've always thought i want people to know what i mean not to think what i said was mean you know oh, <laughs> that's, that's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's that's my perennial problem. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, so no, <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> you know, so but yeah, I mean, it's it is interesting. Um, uh, Azul, man, that, I would love to do this with you more, dude. Can I just come and like, as, can you guys just adopt me on Confuddled? Or do you guys want to come oh, over here some more? Or something? Definitely yeah. have an episode with you on as well and see how it goes. 
Yeah, it would be great. I don't think it would remotely be as eloquent as how you put it, um, but I'm sure that I could keep up the the philosophical conversation and um, go from there. But uh, oh, I'm but yeah, I'm convinced that you're able to considering this conversation and how well you were able to like bring in your experiences and things as well. It was really good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but I need I need to be prompted though. Is all I need to be prompted. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I need someone to prompt me first and then I'll probably have something to say. Um, <laughs> oh. But, but yeah. Um, oh, Hey man. Uh, dude, I'm super happy that you came back on and I almost feel like this, this for a minute became, felt like it was our show and that was kind of a nice oh. feeling, you know, well, that was a very nice feeling. Me. It was, it was, yeah. It's always a delight. Yeah. Uh, let's do this some more as well. Um, yeah, sure. You want to tell the folks how they can find you? Yes. Um, you can find me, if you're interested in Confuddled, you can find me at Confuddled underscore pot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you can find me. <laughs> if, you, if you're looking for Don't Forget Your Towel, you can find me at DFYT underscore podcast. If you're looking for Confuddled podcast, then you can find me as soon as I Google Confuddled and find out what, <laughs> our, um, um, what our handle is. Um, you don't have by any chance happen to know, do you? I'm looking it up right now as well. <laughs> it is Confuddle underscore pod. There we go. It is Confuddle underscore pod. I thought you were right. I thought you yeah. were right. I, I doubt myself. Of like the universe. Yeah. Me doubt myself. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. You can also find me in the Kazelot crew. Um, we will be doing streams and other fun sorts of things um, all around all the time at every time zone in existence. Yes. And um, I think. Yeah. Guys, for for real, um if like it's such a unique series of conversations over on Confuddled. So if you <laughs> like this show, if you enjoy shares a lot, I guarantee that you'll like Confuddled. Um uh, it actually has two people on it all the time, so there's much more conversation, not just one guy shooting his mouth off for 45 minutes. Hey, hey <laughs> you you're a good guy shooting your good mouth off, so. Yeah, hey, listen. Hey, listen. I'm not saying I ain't good. I'm just saying you guys do great work over there, you know. Oh, I really right. like it. You guys do a really good job. And of course, don't forget your towel. Whether you like RPGs or not, the stories are so fun. I'm in love <laughs> with several of the actors over there. Uh it has become really unhealthy. Um, so I've been trying not to bring it up anymore because I don't want to sound like a stalker, but like, I have a problem (laughs) with my love for those Kiwis over there. Um, so listen, if you take any advice I give you for the rest of 2020 fun, please go over there and, uh, yeah, remember we've had plenty, plenty of 2020, right? We're going to make 2021, 2020 fun. So that's what we're calling it from now on. Go have some more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, um, seriously, they're 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 wonderful people. And Azul, as, in case you couldn't tell from our conversation, we've gotten much closer, and I've fallen more deeply in love with this human being. So, um, oh, if you Double if point. you trust my, ju- yeah, hey man, anytime, <laughs> any place. <laughs> um, but all right, everybody, uh, thank you if you made it this far so much. I know I promised shorter episodes, but my my interviews are never going to be short. Just deal with Ooh. that, okay? You know, they're never going to be short. The non-interview ones will be short. Yeah, sorry um, for taking so much time from you. From no, episode. you didn't take any time from me. These people will love you the same way that I do. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you so much for being here. I hope your 2020 fun is going to be filled with laughter and joy. And uh, I plan on continuing this podcast to the best of my ability moving forward. 
Um, and uh, listen, I'm on the Twitters. If you like the Twitters, I'm at Adam underscore shares a lot. Come and say hi. Um, also at Role Players Win. I also work at uh, uh, Team Cares a lot on Twitter, so look for that. We're everywhere now, man. It's just it's just the way it is. We're just everywhere now, and that's the way we like it. Um, so uh, also the role players. Listen, guys, the first few episodes are a little bumpy. I know that because we didn't know what we were doing, but like we really hit our stride, especially with Monster of the Week. Come and listen to it. It's been a flipping blast, and we have Adrian on there almost full time now for Monster <laughs> of the Week. If you guys liked Adrian Smoses please come and listen to it. My God, it's so funny. Um, and I'm probably the most proud of our Monster of the Week episode. So please come and check it out. It's a good time. Um, so outside of that, um, in the meantime, uh, I hope that you're all being safe and taking care of each other and, and being being the best kind of people you can be. And all, almost always, from the bottom of my heart to yours, I hope that you're taking care of your mind and taking care of your heart. And most importantly, taking care of each other. Say bye, Azul. Goodbye. <laughs>